Hi there, it's Ginger Bell. Today is Friday, April 10th, and welcome to this episode of Flatten the Curve, Not the Spirit. Happy Good Friday, happy Passover, happy Easter, and uh, boy, what a time in history. So today, as of today, there are over 478,000 confirmed coronavirus cases in the United States. We have 17,919 deaths, but we have 26,000 that have recovered. So continue to stay home, shelter in place, have a blessed weekend, and uh, enjoy time with your family, do virtual calls, and here's a big virtual hug from you, and from my friend, Christina Beckworth, who is my very special guest today. So have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Well, hi, welcome to the next episode of Flatten the Curve, Not the Spirit. And today I'm here with my good friend, Christine Beckworth, who is coming from the other side of the country. And uh, so it's good to see you virtually. And uh, thanks for hopping on. And the whole goal in doing this was to be able to really just share insight, what you're doing, what you're seeing, how you're staying positive, um, because you do so much of that in your coaching. So I'm really excited to have you share some of your tips. So first of all, what are you doing to take care of you? Yeah, so I'm making sure that all the fundamentals are happening. But first, thank you for having me and choosing me as one of the people to share some advice right now during this very important time. Um, you know, I think we all have a mutual cause in trying to inform and educate. We always have, and now more than ever. And so I'm taking all the precautions. I always treat myself kind of like the, I always say, you know, the airplane, ox, put your oxygen mask right. on first. You know, as a coach, I'm responsible for a lot of people's, um, you know, well-beings and vision, pun intended, I guess, you know, of where they're going. And so I have a bedtime curfew that I impose upon myself. Um, I try to eat a healthy diet. I try to exercise. I try to live an example of what I say, you know, is good health. And I don't just say that, you know, I, I went to school for sports medicine and nutrition. And so it's played a big role in my life. And I think people, there's a reason athletes, you know, have to be in good shape. There's a reason that, you know, when you look at really successful people, a lot of times there's a whole lifestyle image that occurs in the way that they're living to draw on that energy and, and live that positive life, you know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So having a curfew, working out, you know, those are things for me too, to just really do that. Just getting up in the morning and making sure I'm working out, whether it's, and we're all working out at home now. So it's like, yep. okay, plug in the Pilates tape and, you know, it's bend and stretch or going for a walk or, you know, whatever it is, just getting that break as far as being able to take care of yourself and I love the analogy as far as, yeah, put your oxygen mask on first and then take care of everyone else from there. Yep. So, you know, one of the things I think in doing that is finding happiness too and being able to share that. And you do a lot of that in the, the messages, your videos, talking about your son. And, you know, I mean, I think it's important, especially with, um, you know, kids to be able to answer their questions. But make them feel comfortable and we don't have all the answers and you know is it okay to say hey i don't have all the answers yeah i think it's really important I, i'm constantly telling myself this so you know i try not to be hypocritical 
But long ago when I was deciding to be a coach, I thought, well, what is my, you know, branding? What is my image? What am I going to be? Who am I going to be? And it's kind of funny when you start something like this, because I suppose there's a lot of coaches out there that decide to put on, you know, a certain image of branding, like I'm this guy or I'm that guy or girl. And for me, I had this great mentor in marketing who said to me, because I was worried about my edginess, like I am, tend to drop a F-bomb now and then. <laughs> I, tend, I tend to- I don't think we can know, be in this industry without <laughs> having a certain well, edginess. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I have that kind of country girl, but I ride a Harley. Yeah. So, there was a lot of that that was hidden during the banking era. And this is not to offend any bankers that I love, love, love. Um, but there's a lot of khaki wearing bankers out there. And I was not the, you know, I was not that girl. <laughs> you weren't the blue pinstripe suit. <laughs> no. And so I said, my marketing mentor, who now is my chief marketing officer, and who also edited my books, said to me, the, you have something different to offer. There's a lot of coaches in the industry that look the part. They look like a banking coach and you are not that person. So don't try to be that person. And what was interesting is I had been a banker, correspondent, lender, broker for 30 years. So I was one of them, but right. I was just kind of a different personality. So I try very much to be authentic. I raised my son with this. Um, I think a lot of parents do this today, but a very real uh, exposure to the world. Of course, I say this because I've had people push back and say, oh my God. You know, when he was seven, eight, nine years old, I would let him see more adult things um, at a ratio than kids his age. But as he grew, he's now 14, he pretty much sees all the adult stuff, the news. You know, we let him watch uh, above his age level movies and right. gaming and things like that. And my mantra for and reason is that I've done a lot of studying. I've had some girlfriends, unfortunately, that have had tragedies with their children and lost some children, lost some, some of their sons. I have one girlfriend who lost two out of three of her sons to drug addiction. Wow. And, they, and they had the most loving environment and, right. and raised them the very, very good life. And um, these kids, however, she would admit kind of were sheltered and they had a lot of rules and it was strict and they protected them from this big bad world. And when they got out in there, they couldn't wait to like get in the mix of everything because it was like that restrained feeling for 18 years, she thinks. And I think there's something to it. So maybe Oh, absolutely. A, I right? agree 100%. I think, yep. Think that, that you cannot have, you're going to go after. And it's not that you want to give them that, but right. kids need to, you know, and it's one of those things. And we did the same thing with our son too. It's like, okay, you have to start making decisions. And if you're going to decide to eat the entire bowl of candy, guess yes. what you're going to have? A stomach ache, but that's your yeah. decision. And there's going to be consequences for it rather than us saying, okay, you can only have one piece. You can only have one piece. You know, and yeah, it's, it, it a is a different difference. world. And for kids, it's, you know, it's for parents, it's new for kids. It's new. Um, we were our neighbors across the street. I think their son is in seventh grade and so saturday night they said oh we're gonna have some friend you know a couple and their two girls over and sit outside and everybody because it was beautiful weather would just sit outside and have a drink have a cocktail and yeah. so they came over we joined them you know we were all the appropriate six feet apart 
and the kids were riding bicycles just in you know the, the neighborhood in the street and all I kept hearing is six feet six feet it's like oh my gosh these kids this is what they're growing up with you know this whole six foot pandemic that yeah. um is a distancing so but that's a real reality it and is and so yes they have to do that um and and let them know what the consequences are so it's that combination of protecting and letting them know and informing them um but then also you know giving them those opportunities to relax and you know to be kids as well during a time like this and whatever that is within your own home whether it's playing games whether it's um we actually, um, I don't have kids at home, although I have my mother-in-law at home, which is kind of like having 10 kids sometimes, but um, we went and got a switch and we're playing Jeopardy and things like that. So I think that those kind of things are important and you're so good about doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Creating an environment where there's fun and, you know, trying to create things like tonight we're watching a new comedy that's coming out um and we're making it and i'm cooking a really nice dinner well we're all home right so i'm cooking <laughs> dinner i'm cooking dinner every day but i'm making it extra special tonight and so it's like a thing it's like a date you know Corey's right. somewhere in the house right now doing doing work jagger's in another place doing homeschooling i'm here doing this and then we're all going to meet in the living room and have the show and dinner and it, it's our pretend social life today um <laughs> the environment that we're creating but yeah i think realness to answer you is required you know we're raising him to be real and to see the real world and to experience and to make the choices and i think that's true for my whole experience or existence rather with coaching i am here to help people be accountable to their own actions right and so you know people think i'm gonna pour a glass of kool-aid and i guess i suppose i help train them to look for the positives and, and get into that exercised mind or the, the belief of controlling your mindset. But I don't pour glasses of Kool-Aid. Um, I think Kool-Aid is created in all of our own worlds based on what we choose to consume, period. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's it, you know? There's days when I, I have days when I'm not in a great mood. I find myself sometimes gravitating to the, you know, if I'm home alone, in my past life before we were quarantined, I sometimes would pick the tearjerker movie, you know? Right. And I'd say, what does that say about myself? Cause I'm also analytical and I'd be like, I must want to cry today, yeah. you know, and, and have a superficial reason to let a little bit out. Exactly. Um, so Which is good. That's a great point too. It's, you know, it's, I mean, we're not in the middle of, you know, unicorns and rainbows right now. So, right. Um, you know, you have Very to be true. smart. And on the other side too, you know, we have a lot of businesses that are looking at coming out the other side and they need to, you know, do some planning yeah. and, you know, it's hard to do that kind of planning when you're uncertain. And so having the wisdom to look for trends and, you know, specifically in the mortgage industry, and we actually were talking before um, yeah. we actually started recording about some instances that are happening that happened in the industry that have caused some things to be where they are. And it's important to be able to understand that and yeah. to be able to explain that. So can you take kind of a quick yeah. second and kind of give us an idea? Cause I love how you explained it. It just, it's, it makes perfect sense. Sure. Um, so I'm spending a lot of time offering public state of the union type webinars right now and to my own community, but I'm also offering them free um, to the public because I feel like there's so much misinterpretation of economic news 
Now I love tuning in to Barry Habib. And I will tell you, we teach a class here and did long before the pandemic called Economic Advisor as part of our 24 course curriculum. And the reason we taught it is we taught them why, because I understand being a 30 year vet, you have to be economically aware. And we talked about what's in scope and what's out of scope and to stay out of the weeds of forecasting and don't play the game of the market and, you know, but be the advisor and tell them what they understand. So within that same realm of best practices, it's more important than ever that everybody understand how we got here. Now, we are not going to see, you know, we are seeing some fallout right now. There are companies that are closing and everybody's trying to understand. And there's a lot of blame being placed on the pandemic. And while that is having effects, you know, I've been taking the time to back the bus up and let everybody kind of look back like to a month ago where we were going. There's also a lot of comparisons that are going on in 2008. And while some of the symptoms are similar, totally two different markets. Um, you know, quickly, I will tell you that, you know, without doing a, a whole history lesson on 08, that was a consumer-based default rising rate environment that would crash and cause companies because of the removal of risk-based lending um, in certain arenas just completely become, as we know now, the fall of the mortgage industry. And that recovery was three to seven years. That's not where we are right now. We're in a right. robust market. Right. We're in a robust market. So I want everybody to understand that all of the stuff we've been seeing risk. I gave an example. I love to teach by analogy. So just humor me that I'm going to do it this way because I think it's. The and best I love way. that about you because you really do an awesome job of being able to do that as an Thank educator. You. And that's so important. Yeah, I think when we think about the actual language we're speaking, we sometimes lose the forest for the trees. I don't know why. So my life's filled with euphorisms and, uh, <laughs> and analogies, but it works as a teacher. I, I guess I, somewhere in my career, I found it desperate to make the point. And so the point I'm going to make using some analogies is if you think about racing a race car, there's risk when you're on the racetrack racing with other race cars at the speed that you normally go. If you go too slow, well, that's a risk. You could get in an accident. You could get run over. You're not doing it safely. But at the same time, if you go too fast, you could have an accident. So we could say in both of those scenarios, you have someone going fast. And isn't that the point of the race, right? right. And yet there's risk there. And there's also risk over here. So two types of risk. Risk. Right. Of getting in a, but look at that. Look at what I'm saying. Both could cause the same result, a car accident. So when we look at 2008, car accident, right? Kind of over there, but it was like we totaled the car, okay? And today in this market where we're at, it's like a fender bender. And so I hate to minimize the tragedies that we're gonna see occur in this market right now, but we did not get here because of the pandemic. And, and I, hear me out. I basically explained earlier that the pandemic is like the tree that fell on our broken crash car, right. but our car crashed, not because the tree fell on it. <laughs> That's the pandemic, but it crashed because of the risk that we were in weeks ago. And so if you can imagine, I, I, I again, another analogy I used was if you had a kid that came to you on Mondays and said, mom, dad, I need 20 bucks for lunch this week. And you did that on repeat week after week. And you got used to that. And then one week it was $30 and then it was 40 and it slowly crept up. And then all of a sudden it's like, it jumped maybe from $40 to a hundred dollars. You'd start asking questions like, right. what are you doing? 
lunch money? Is this all going to lunch? You know, that sort of thing. And so what's happening on Wall Street a month ago is when we reached the 400% mark of normal business in December, January, and February, the investors are the mom and dads going, okay, wait a minute, where's this lunch money going? And so while they understand we were in a really uh, great market, they are going to do something based on this risk. This risk I'm explaining, by the way, is the car going too fast, not too slow. This is a right. great risk. This is a positive risk, let's call it. And so while that market's bulling and everybody's getting refinance money and finally there's equity in homes and all these things are happening, you have an environment over here where the mom or the dad says, okay, Johnny, you'll get your $100 for lunch money, but before I give it, I want you to go get $10 out of your piggy bank and I'm going to hold that 10 and then I'll give you the hundred. And of course we're going to ask, why is that? Well, because you're asking me for more. So I'm putting more out and I know if you have skin in the game, then you're telling the truth. It's kind of like a truth teller. It's giving the license at the bar. So we know you'll come back right. and pay the bill because you need your license. So I use these analogies because that is called margin call. So we've had tons of margin calls on all kinds of lenders in the last month. And when those margin calls, hefty margin calls, when those margin calls occur and the risk looks like the exposure is out there and the risk is very high, of course, it makes everybody stop. And we're not talking about Johnny getting $10 out of his bank account now. We're talking about large companies writing millions of dollars in personal assets to assure the investors said giving us the money, the capital uh, investors giving us the money that yes, my skin is in the game. I know there's a lot of exposure here. I know there's a lot of risk. The moment those margin calls happen, there's an artificial raising of the interest rate uh, on one level because you want to slow capacity down. Right. So it's, I take one more analogy. I compare that to you sell your, you have a steakhouse restaurant and you sell it for forty nine ninety nine. And suddenly everybody in town is selling their filet for $4.99. Well, you lower your price to $4.99. Now you have a line out the door, down the street. And at some point, you still only have this restaurant with this many tables. You can put a few more tables in. You can move people faster. Right. But you can't, you can't double your restaurant size. So these banks that are trying to handle this capacity have one thing to do. I'm going to be the $8.99 filet mignon and my regular customers are still going to come here because they love our service and our people and who we are and what right. we are and all of that and we're probably going to lose the line out the door but are we really losing anything right because is the service suffering because we're pushing everybody through these tables so right. fast trying to get the guy in the back that's brand new to our company so the last part of this is the fact that we, no one is ever going to understand, uh, the customer never understands when the Fed says they lowered to zero and then that doesn't equate to <laughs> the mortgage rate, yeah. right? It's not what we're talking about. It's apples yeah. and oranges. Apples and oranges. And that's because, you know, when you go into 7-Eleven and you buy something off the shelf, there's a price that 7-Eleven paid for. And then, of course, there's the handling and the shipping and right. the selling and there's got to be some profit there. And so there's a margin between the Fed rate and the mortgage that has cost assessment in it, risk assessment in it. And because we control those levers, the loan originators are left to have to explain all this. So what I want everybody to understand is all of that fast car racing that created the risk, all of the increased volume that created the risk, the margin calls, and the environment we were in is why the interest rates came up. 
the capacity of serving that many people in the restaurant is why the rates came up. The margin of difference in the rate is because we've got to operate and run our companies. Right. And when you tie that all together, it has very little to do with the pandemic. The pandemic creates an obstacle. So that is kind of like throwing the log down in the road where the car has to go around. Of course, buyers might lose their job and they're in the process of doing a mortgage. And now we can't verify their employment. Right. Do I think in 60 days we'll have some sort of credit addendum reform probably because they've already said no more evictions or foreclosures during this time. They'll probably do the same with mortgage delinquency. I'm sure of it because this is an act of God. Um, so, you know, that's a little bit of an economic lesson. I, I, I have that on repeat right now. I think the more confident we get as mortgage experts and real estate experts in our field, our ability to translate that to the customer. And then the last part is my gift to anyone listening right now as soon as we get over the pandemic hill, so we may still be stuck in our homes, but now CNN or anyone is reporting the ends in sight two or three weeks. We have people recovering. We can see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. The moment that happens, all of the mortgage companies are going to see volume go straight back up. Customers right. will get renewed faith again. And guess what's going to still be there? The racetrack the race cars, <laughs> all of the things. This is not 2008, guys. Right. So here's what I tell professionals. Don't, don't uh, think like 2008 because those of you that get deer in the headlights or just completely stop, you're going to be getting back in a line of people and there's going to be some professionals that stayed soothing to their clients and referral partners, kept the process flowing, kept right. collecting docs, kept taking applications, and even now we had, we saw the, some of the re relief yesterday, the rates, that volume is normalizing and the rates started to come back down and all kinds of locks occurred across the industry again yesterday. I think those professionals in our field that stay calm, understand what I'm saying and do good work right now are going to grab market share yep. from these other people. Absolutely. So, yep. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, keep in touch you know, use your marketing, whatever you're doing. If you don't have a marketing plan, put a marketing plan together. Um, you know, I've been doing uh, webinars on how to create videos and do virtual meetings and you want to be in front of your customers right now. So everything that you can do as far as reaching out is important because, yeah, you're right. This is not the same as what we went through in 2008. Market was good. This um, slowed us down. And I love the analogy as far as the, the log in the road. And that's really what it is. So the most important thing right now is stay safe and, you know, stay at home, but also utilize the time you have. So, you know, put, you know, get into, I mean, you have a great online coaching program. So yeah. you have the time. Guess what? Turn off the TV and invest in yourself. That's exactly and what we're those are the things here. that, you know, people should be doing. I've got, um, Steve Sims is actually my, one of my calls that I'm doing today as well. And a good friend of ours. And he also has an online coaching program. So I registered for that. It's like, you know what? Yes. Um, I'm going to invest in myself and look for those Absolutely. people that can help you to grow because we will be through this in, you know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, That's whatever right. it is. And you will look back and say, how did I use my time? That's right. Did I use my time wisely? 100% accurate. Yeah. 
Absolutely. What can you do? I got back all kinds of commuting time because my son's school is about 45 minutes from here. <laughs> and uh, I have 15 extra hours in my week. And so I am, you know, I've cleaned some closets. Um, <laughs> I've, I've made contributions to the company. I, I pulled up some projects that got set aside six months ago. Yeah. Um, so I'm investing in my future. I picked up a couple of books at night that I had been wanting to read. And listen, there's some true silver lining here. I'm talking to my 70 something year old dad that's never, ever had this happen. And he's like, you know, your mom's going stir crazy. And I'm like, look, we are in comfy homes with heat and hot right. water and food. We are far from roughing it as a, yeah. as a society. I do feel for, you know, the, the, the paycheck to paycheck people. Yes. And I say this, I think we can all band-aid our family's uh, safety right now. Mm -hmm. I looked around a week ago and I said, if somebody's going to be stuck in their home for a month, then who in my group is alone? And there was a few people and, um, you know, it's, you do what you can. My older sister has been battling lung illness for years and she's been in a hospice and God bless her. She's doing better than she had been. She's really uh, on her deathbed a, a couple of years ago, not to be, you know, super sad, but um, true. And so she's been in assisted living. Well, they're in complete lockdown because they're a high risk facility right. and nobody can visit her. So right. I have added a morning and an evening call to my daily routine Right. Because those calls are kind of what's keeping her going. Yeah. She can't have visitors. She can't leave. And so she's kind of in that position where it's like, you know, the morning and afternoon call, you know, are really making all the difference in the world. Yeah. And so I just say, look around. Who around you needs that call right now? Right. Um, you know, who or who can you take a meal to? You can, you know, right. in the meal that you're making, like we have a, a woman who lives across the street from us who lives by herself and is very, you know, very concerned. Like she I was outside doing the yard work with her mask on yesterday. Right. And so, you know, we make extra food. Um, yeah. My neighbor across the street, she works for Intel. She did not have uh, a, you know, Logitech camera, video camera to do her Zoom meetings. And, you know, I've got a shit ton of them. So it's like, yep. I'll drop that off. So I took a bottle of wine and that and dropped it off and she exchanged for a bottle of wine. And it's like, you know, those kind of things. So I think this gives us the opportunity to be able to really be, become human again and take time. Um, Bill Hart put a video out um, yesterday that I absolutely love that he called instead of isolate, we isolate. And so take the I out of it and put we into it. So just like what you're doing, calling your sister in the morning and afternoon. Yeah. And I'm sure that that is something she looks forward to immensely. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think the silver lining is a lot bigger than we think. I think life gets too fast paced. Sometimes I had nine trips that got canceled. And when, yeah, I, I, stared down, when I stared down my April and May before this happened, I was like, okay, let's go. Let's do it. I'm on, you know, you have to get there mentally to do what we do. And then when the button went off, you know, for me to get back family time, I mean, that's just a silver lining here. Yeah. Um, I think everybody needs to embrace it. I haven't heard a lot of negative stories about people spending more time with their family. I've heard a lot of people saying, I'm loving this time right. with my family. And so I think if we as a society can embrace, you know, we don't always, we always talk about stopping to smell the roses. 
but the but the earth doesn't stop turning and and the merry-go-round does not stop to let us off we have to jump on and off our own lives so for one moment it you know it stopped and we're there right now but what can we really embrace um you know i just think there's going to be a lot that is positive that comes out of this um and i pray for those families that are affected because i'm sure the experience for those that are losing loved ones and that is happening is completely different than those of us that haven't been affected and we're nowhere near done with this yet so i'm not going to say anything that jinxes myself into believing you know god you know bless us all but we don't know yet the totality of this situation. And so I think we just have to stay doing smart things and helping one another. And uh, so I extend, I'll tell everybody that's listening to this call right now, you know, Ginger always shows up and she's consistently there. um, And she's always spreading the word, um, you know, the good word. And I've sat many times in the audience, many places across the nation when she's speaking. And I'm always motivated by her words and her tactics are so authentic and inspiring and touching. So, you know, I have watched the other ones that you've done. Um, I think it's great that you put this in place. I'm glad to be one of those people. And I extend my, uh, my email to anyone to reach out. Um, it's info at visionyoursuccess.net because if anybody needs anything, we have a whole team of coaches over here. We have life coaches, we have health and wellness coaches. We are here to assist during this time. We're happy to help people. We know this can be a hard time from a mental illness standpoint, depression, isolation, you know, all of those things. And we are going to be here for this industry and population at large to make sure that everybody stays safe and sound and secure. Right. And so that's our offer and uh, well, thank you yeah yep. and and thank you so much for all you do I absolutely love everything you do and I look forward to seeing you again in the next couple months when we can well. speak on stage together and uh, and be able to continue to do what we're doing so um, so thank you so much Christine we have information that's listed down below so make sure and do that And of course, subscribe and like and make your comments. And uh, thanks for listening to this episode of Flatten the Curve, Not the Spirit.